I think knowing what a client believes to be true is so powerful, but I think also that's like the beginning of creating your coaching framework. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, business mentor, social media and sales expert, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to build the lives and businesses of their dreams. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life you love right now. We are also talking all things entrepreneurship and personal development, including wellness, social media, confidence, sales, business strategy, mindset, wealth building, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, my friend. I'm so glad you're here. This week's episode is kind of special because you know how I'm always talking about the value of having a strategy and support from a mentor. And this is a conversation that I had with my mentor, Sabrina Phillip. And I've been working with Sabrina for almost two years now. And you'll hear more about the results I've seen in my business and how we've worked together during the conversation. But what we really focus on in this chat is what allows industry leaders like us to get their clients bomb results on the regular. And Sabrina specifically invited me to have this conversation with her because she sees that I do that. And that is the standard for me and my clients and my students because coaching is not as simple as just teaching your clients your information. It is so much more than that. It is how you facilitate the transformation from every single angle and every single aspect. So you'll get to hear us explain our approaches to creating client frameworks, supporting clients through mindset blocks, and really helping our clients build their own businesses that support their unique lives and dreams instead of just making carbon copies of ourselves, which is really common in the coaching industry. So if you've ever wanted to be a fly on the wall as two industry leading business coaches talk shop, you are in for a treat today. So let's dive in. So for the peeps who do not know, Marie is an inner circle client. She is an OG inner circle client. And when we started working together, what did your business look like? And then after that, please brag and tell us about your soon to be slash current millionaire status and all the things you buy. Yeah. (laughs) So I first hired Sabrina because I was feeling really conflicted and unsure. I don't want to say stuck because I secretly knew like what I needed to do, but I just had a lot of resistance around it. But I was feeling very conflicted about the direction of my business. And I knew I really wanted to scale, reach more people, make more money, do more of everything. But at the same time, I was feeling really burned out from being a wellness coach. Like it just wasn't feeling aligned anymore. I had built that wellness coaching business to like a quarter million dollars annually. I think I reached that milestone within the first six months of us working together, but I had built that business pretty successfully, but was feeling like I was kind of hitting my ceiling of how far I wanted to take it within that industry. All along, my passion had been in entrepreneurship. I went to school for it. I sold my first thing on the internet when I was like 16 years old and had been building my audience for a really long time. And as people kept seeing my wellness coaching business grow, I started getting asked if I could show other people how to do it. But I had 
a lot of resistance around making that pivot. And Sabrina really helped me map out how it was going to work, what it was going to look like, what the most strategic path was so that I could pivot and like come out really strong instead of like having to basically start from zero. So we made the pivot. I've been working with Sabrina now for almost two years. I think it'll be two years in July. Our anniversary is coming up. And at this point, I made half a million dollars last year, going to be making over a million dollars this year. And yeah, we've overhauled, like, I want to say every single part of my business. Like there isn't a single part of my business, my mindset, anything that hasn't been upgraded in the last year and a half, two years. And for me, the most important thing that my business does for me is it allows me to have the freedom of choice to have it all is really like my goal with everything is like, I just want to have it all. And one of the biggest motivations for me is being able to pursue my passion, which is horses and being an equestrian. And, you know, I've bought my dream horse. I bought a house last year, literally just got my new car delivered today. So business upgrades, lifestyle upgrades, fun upgrades, all the upgrades all around. Amazing. Yeah. I remember when you bought your house, I think, which was right at the beginning, you got your first horse, then you got your second horse. You just got a car. You're going to have like a dream Tuscan wedding, I'm guessing. So just, I think you definitely are someone who embodies having it all. And something that you said that stuck out to me was when we started working together, you knew what you needed to be doing, but you weren't necessarily doing that. And I think that when it comes to getting results with your clients, for your clients, however you want to phrase that, it's not necessarily about always giving them the right strategy because in a sense, you kind of had the strategy, you just weren't doing it. So I think when we segue into this kind of topic for today's podcast, which is how do you get your clients results, which I think, you know, you do that so well in your programs, online coach, umpire and online coach kickstart, which is why I want to talk about this with you. I think it's really about the mindset more than it is the strategy. Do you agree? Do you think it's equal or what do you think? I mean, I definitely think the strategy needs to be there because I've seen a lot of clients come to me after being taught bad strategy and we have to kind of tear their business apart and start over. So I don't, I don't want to say strategy is not important, but I always say that mindset is like, if your mindset's broken, it's like trying to race your car with the parking brake on. Like, it's just not going to be a good time. You're not going to get very far. You're not going to go very fast. So getting your mindset right and releasing the parking brake allows the strategies to actually work. Totally. Yeah. Strategy is definitely important, but I think that, you know, you give them the perfect strategy, but they don't believe it'll work. They're never going to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, when I think about the last five years and like, how has the business been able to grow and stay big and keep getting big? I think that, you know, obviously I've talked about like sales this week. I've talked about mindset marketing in a lot of ways. I feel like getting client results has been the thing that has made one of the biggest differences, maybe not the biggest. I think mindset is probably that, but I think it's what's created the legacy because I feel like a lot of people have a big business for a year and then they're never able to repeat that result, right? It's like you have a big, amazing year and then it's like crash and burn. But for me, I feel like my business has really been sustainable because I'm known for getting really good results with my clients. So like people know 
that I help my clients scale to six and seven figures. And I think likewise, people know that if they want to scale their fitness coaching business, they need to go to Marie Wald. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it also helps, like you said, with sustainability, right? Because if you can get a client good results in your entry level program, they're going to stay with you and they're going to stick with you. Like I've been with you for almost two years. I've had clients who have been with me since I started business coaching. And if you get people great results, not only do they stay with you, but they tell more people and it just becomes easier to go bigger when you do a good job. Yeah. This is funny, but didn't you buy the Academy first? Yes. That's hilarious because I don't think I ever consumed anything inside of the program. I thought I wanted to work with Sabrina, but I was, I didn't really know anything about her. Like one of my friends had told me about her and I hadn't been following her or anything. And then I watched her stories one day and she was having like a flash sale of the Academy or something. I was like, okay, this could be like my little like taste test of like what her philosophies are and all of that stuff. And then I bought it and I think you had like a bonus call or something as like the, the launch incentive. And so we got on the call and I was like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to join the mastermind. <laughs> and I, yeah. I still don't know if I've done anything from the Academy, but it's good I, to have in my back pocket. <laughs> I can look and check, but I'm pretty sure you have not. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But just for context, like the Academy is like baby, baby, baby starter program. And then it went from that to like inner circle a few months later. I don't think it was very much time in between, but I sometimes like to make that joke, like, oh yeah, like you can go all the way from the Academy to inner circle, but really like Marie was already super advanced in her business. I just find it so, so funny that you bought that program. I owe you like a credit or something like an upgrade credit. (laughs) That was like my like tripwire offer. (laughs) Yeah. For for inner circle. It's fine. There there you go. So when it comes to getting clients, good results, I've already said, you know, I think that like working on mindset is super important. And I think also, cause like what comes up for me is I remember I had this client a few years ago, she signed up for one of my like group program VIP offers. I think it was like my intentional manageable profitable program, which is the longest name ever, like in February, 2018. And every single week she would come to me with the exact same mindset problem which was, you know, my, my parents don't love me or see me for who I am. And it didn't matter like what I said to her about the mindset issue. It didn't matter what I said to her about the business strategy, nothing changed for her. She just kept coming back with the same question over and over again. And I have no, I have no idea where she is now. I have no idea if she's worked through that, but I think it's so easy to get stuck on the same kind of hook over and over and over again and never make a change if you're not willing to do the work, because I gave her quote unquote the work, but she wasn't willing to do it. So I think it's, yes, give them the mindset, but also they have to be an ideal client. Yeah. And it sounds like she wasn't taking responsibility. She wasn't taking ownership or she just wasn't ready to, to release that. Right. Like the quote, that's like, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Right. Totally. Totally. And I think also just I think sometimes when it comes to coaching relationships, people expect that your coach is going to say like one magical thing that's going to change your life. Mm. And I think sometimes people get disappointed when they don't hear that like magic word, you know, every coaching session, like, oh my God, why didn't Sabrina say something that blew my mind? And it's like, well, why have you not posted on social media in six weeks? (laughs) (laughs) You know? So I I think that there's kind of like a balance, like, yeah, your coach is going to say stuff that changes your life, but also if you don't ever do anything with it, you're just like paying for pretty words, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, for sure. I see the value of coaching as being so much more than just like the exchange of information or the like exchange of strategy. It's about the support, like feeling empowered, being held accountable, having someone believe in you, of course, the strategy, but like having the support so that you can implement. Totally. I feel like a coach is meant to be a mirror in a way. And I always talk Mm -hmm. about like being a boxer, being a container for my clients, like bounce around and I just like imagine you guys like little Tasmanian devils <laughs> just doing your thing yeah but I think it's just like holding space for someone it's mm-hmm. so so important and powerful and I think that if you want someone to hold that space for you you have to practice bringing your full self to the container like I always tell my clients in my group programs I can more so see this in you know private client relationships but in group programs I can't answer questions that aren't asked Right. Or like, I can't fix problems that I don't know about. So I think even if you're in a course, even if you're in a group program, maybe you don't have a private coach. If there's something that you need help with, it really is about, I think, bringing it to the forefront and just letting yourself be supported. Yeah. And I always have that conversation at the beginning of every program, whether it's a mastermind or like the first module in a course or whatever it is. I like beat it to death. I say it so much, but I tell people like, I want to support you, but you have to, like, I can't read your mind and you have to be responsible for asking the questions and bringing up the problems so that we can troubleshoot. But like, I can't anticipate your needs. And like, I always want to know how I can support you in the ways that mean the most to you, right? And like everyone prefers a little bit different of a coaching relationship too. And so I, especially in my beginner programs, I almost think of it as like, I'm teaching them how to be coachable. I'm teaching them how to operate like in a coaching container. Yeah. And I think just like that process and setting those expectations is probably why you do get such good results. Because I think if you skip over that step, you're just probably going to have people who maybe treat it like a Q&A session or like they check in when they think they need something. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people need help, but they don't even realize they need help. So sometimes I'll tell my clients, you can just come and say, hi, I'm here. I don't know what I need help with, but I know something needs to change. And then I'll help you figure out what it is. For but sure. I think just being willing to be present is so huge. Yeah. I mean, you can't know what you don't know. Right. So even just coming to your coach and saying like, I'm feeling stuck around this, or I don't know what I should prioritize next. Or like, here, here are all of the thoughts in my brain. I, I joke with a lot of my clients that like, I'm, I, they brain dump onto me and then I organize all of their thoughts and we use everything in their brain to create like a cohesive action plan and co-create an action plan and take what was like a tangled mess and make it into like their next steps. I love that. My coach talks about how the platform that she uses is called Basecamp instead of Boxer, although mm-hmm. I'm a little sassel and I just text her on her iMessage. <laughs> but she talks a lot about like how Basecamp is a worry jar. So like uh-huh. if there's something you're worried about, because people might write it down and like put it in a jar and like that's where they keep it. But Basecamp is everyone's worry jar and they can just put whatever they're worried about there and then just kind of like release that. And that's something people will do too. They'll like write down like a dream or a desire, put it in a box and then just like forget about it instead of obsessing about it 24 seven. So I think that, you know, coaching containers can definitely be, let me brain dump, but also like, here's what I'm worried about and just, you know, forget about it a little bit. Yeah. I also, one of my clients recently was like just obsessing over whether she was doing enough or if she was getting results at like the rate she needed to get them. And when we looked at the numbers, like she absolutely was like, she was just getting in her head and all of the evidence pointed to, she was doing great. Everything was happening exactly how we wanted it to. And I was like, listen, you pay me 
to worry on your behalf. Like I will tell yeah. you when we need to worry. I will tell you if we need to panic. I'll tell you if we need to pivot. Like you have outsourced that anxiety to me. So like, let me hold that for you and you just show up and like do the work. I love that. That's so good. I might steal yeah. that. That is so good. I mean, it's obviously not the most scalable. Like I can't do that for every single person, every single right. program, but especially for my higher level clients, like I'm very in their businesses. So I know when I know when we need to worry and I will be honest with them, but most of the yeah. time we don't need to be worried. <laughs> yeah. I had that situation, I think last week or the week before where I did see something that worried me when it came to a client's like paid advertising. And I let them know like, Hey, we need to look at this. And I think it's also just like trusting that your coach will tell you if there's a problem, but it's very, very, very rare that I actually do see something super concerning. Like, I think that story that we attach to it makes it a big problem, but it's very rare that I actually do see a big problem. For sure. Yeah. So something that I've noticed about your programs is they seem to be just like structured really well in terms of you're going to work on this, you're going to work on that. You need this, you need that. So like you have a process for Mm -hmm. OCK. And I think that there's a difference between like cookie cutter steps versus like a coaching framework that like supports and empowers someone. What does that, what does that look like in your programs and how can the people listening maybe start to create something similar for themselves? Yeah. So I think the first place to start is make sure that you've really walked the walk. And that's something I'm really passionate about, whether you're a business coach, a fitness coach, whatever, making sure that you have walked the walk and like been through the journey that you are now guiding people through. So definitely a lot of my curriculums and stuff like that are informed by experience, but also I didn't make online coach kickstart into like a really clear curriculum or a clear framework until I had taken several people through that journey in like a more holistic, like less structured way. So I had not just my experience, but also the experience of other aspiring coaches and stuff and what worked for them. And then I was able to really organize it into like, okay, what are the key like checkpoints that are going to take them from point A to point B. Like I call it the transformation mapping process, kind of similar to like your transformation process structure, structure Mm -hmm. process. TPS. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. So I always think about like, what are the checkpoints that will get them between point A and point B? And then how can I organize that into a chronological order in some way? Of course, there can always be things happening at the same time, or sometimes you might recommend that someone works through at a different, in a different order, but generally like what are the checkpoints and what is the order that they should go through? But I think the other important thing is that you're always explaining the why behind the strategies. And that is one of the biggest things that prevents it from ever being cookie cutter. And that's something I hear from my clients all the time is like, I love that I learned the strategy, but I also, because I understand the why, I can also see how I might tweak it to fit my business, or I might put things in a different order, or I might take a slightly different like angle to it than what I did with my business. Like I'm not here to just make a bunch of clones of me. Like I don't want every wellness coach, fitness coach to have a clone of what my business was. I want them to have their own business that supports the life that they want, the impact they want, the community they want, 
however they like to operate in their businesses. And so it's not just teaching the structure. It's not just teaching the framework, but it's also about educating them on the why of how it all fits together and why it's all important so that once you understand, then you can kind of take creative freedom, I guess, instead of just following, like blindly following action steps. Yeah. One of the questions I, when I'm teaching branding to my clients is just this idea of what do you believe to be true? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really helpful to know what a client does believe to be true when it comes to getting results. Like if a client believes that they have to work super, super hard to get results, I might try and change that belief over time. But then like, let's say they totally fall off the map. I might ask them like, is this working? Like, does this feel true here? Like if you believe that you need to be working super hard, like why have you completely gone ghost? Like what's going on? Like we can shift that belief. But I think knowing what a client believes to be true is so powerful. But I think also that's like the beginning of creating your coaching framework. Because for for me, like I would definitely say I'm pretty balanced. Like I'm very much into mindset work and spirituality. And also I'm very strategic. I love a good plan. So I think that's where like intentional, manageable, profitable came from. It was intentional because it was very like mindset driven. And it was about what I believe to be true. And like, does this get me more of what I want? It was manageable because it was organized and structured because I believe in freedom. And I was traveling all the time back then. And it was profitable because I really like to shop and, you know, I, I, I want to have a successful business and I want to have big impact. So that's what I believe to be true. So when I take my clients through my process, it is that framework, but also I then ask them, okay, well now what do you believe to be true and how can we create Mm -hmm. that for your business and your clients and always find a way to make it work for that person. Yeah. And I, I think it also comes down to like creating your own framework is a lot about editing down the noise, right? Because the framework is like the essentials of what you believe it's. So usually I recommend starting with like, all of the things that you believe to be true, all of the things you believe to be important, whether it's helping people lose fat or gain confidence or launch their businesses or make more sales or whatever it is. Like, what are all of the things that you think are important? All the things you believe to be true, all the most important questions or problems that you solve, and then put, put them into buckets, edit out the noise, and slowly but surely you refine it into that like signature framework. And I think that also goes for like creating curriculums, but that's another, (laughs) that's another conversation. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll say on this before we kind of talk about other lessons around getting results for clients is when you are starting to create your framework or you're trying to ask yourself, how can I get my clients results? There's not necessarily a wrong answer or a right answer. Like Mm -hmm. one of my clients in the inner circle, Lynette, like she just does not do macros. Like she has an orange monster every day. Like she just eats whatever she wants, but like in a very like mindful, intuitive way. And she still like exercises and stuff. And then I have other clients also in the inner circle, like Caitlin, who's all about macros, right? She's got like a macro calculator. She like deeply believes in that. And both of their clients get amazing results and both of their clients keep re-signing. And so it's not that one has a better process than the other. It's just, it'll work if you work it. So it works because their clients believe in the process. And so I think that's also why it's important just to figure out like genuinely, what do you believe to be true? Not just what do you believe will sell? Because there are other people out there who also believe that who Mm -hmm. will sign up because they are like, okay, she gets me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And there are absolutely things that I teach and like, they're the hills that I will die on that other business coaches totally disagree with. Like, yeah, I think example, I think that having a website when you're starting out as a fitness coach is a waste of your time. <laughs> I think having a logo is a waste of your time. I think like there, there are so many things like that, but a lot of times people come to me like, wow, I've been doing it totally backwards and it's not working. And it, it could have worked going backwards could have worked, but they like, it wasn't a fit for what they needed. Totally. Totally. So something that I would love to hear about is what were your boundaries like before we started working together? Because mm. I feel like now you're very much a boundary boss, <laughs> but I think that part of getting client results is actually having boundaries and modeling those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell my clients that all the time too. I'm like, you are not their babysitter. You are their coach. (laughs) So I totally agree. I wouldn't say that my boundaries were super off when we started working together. When it came to like coach client relationships, I would say I was pretty good about it. I would say where my boundaries needed more work was like boundaries with my audience, boundaries with my team, boundaries with myself, with like my work hours and work-life balance and those sorts of things. But I, I've seen time and time again, when my clients start having boundaries in their businesses how much time they get back, how much energy they get back, how much better their client results are. Because like I said, as a coach, like you're not the babysitter, you can't do the work for them. And when you are constantly available or just let your clients violate boundaries, maybe they're not even violating them because they haven't set them. But when you just have nothing with your coach client relationships, like your clients just become dependent on you. They don't know how to make their own decisions. They don't know how to think for themselves and they don't have to take any responsibility for their results. Like it becomes you handholding them the whole way. And that's not, that's not sustainable. And that also doesn't help them become self-sufficient ever. Yeah. It's very disempowering, I think. And I love what you said about like it's boundaries, like completely across the board in your business, because Mm -hmm. your clients are like watching how you are showing up with them, how you're showing up with other people, how you're showing up with your team, how you're showing up on social. So, you know, for me, one thing that comes up is like, if I treated every client freak out like an emergency, I would just validate that this is an emergency. And I've never actually seen a business emergency. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't believe that such a thing exists. Right. I think that there can be legal challenges. I think that there can be, you know, haters on the internet, but I don't actually think that there's like a, in a true emergency that will burn your business down. So I think modeling that boundary of just like, this is where this goes. This is how that goes. This is the process. It just makes people feel safe because they're like, mm-hmm. okay, it's fine. Like everything's going to be just fine. And I remember when I first got started with a lot of these processes and boundaries in my business, I really struggled because I just felt like a, a bit of a biatch and a bad person, like around my schedule, like I'm very boundaried around mm-hmm. my schedule is, you know, like the calendar comes out at the first of the month, it's the call slots that are available and that's it. Mm-hmm. But what I found is that my clients have started adapting to it, but also like now they do that in their business as well. So yeah. they like wait for my calendar so they can set their calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Same. 
Yeah. And I think, I think it just, it helps like to see them. It's, I think it's validating. Like the thing that you thought would make people hate you is actually something that they appreciate. And now they do in their own businesses. Yeah, for sure. And I even had someone inquired about joining my mastermind recently. And like, she had messaged me or asked me a question on like Friday and I got back to her on Monday and I was like, Oh, Hey, like, thanks for your patience. I don't, I'm not in my DMS over the weekend, but like, here's the answer to your question. She's like, the fact that you didn't answer your DMS and the fact that you like weren't working on the weekend makes me want to work with you more because I want that for me. Like I'm a huge believer that you shouldn't take advice from someone you like wouldn't trade places with or take advice from someone who hasn't been where you want to go. So like if you're hiring a coach who doesn't have boundaries or doesn't have work-life balance or is constantly hustling and you don't want that for yourself, like that's probably not the right fit. But I think that that was just such a great obvious reminder that like people actually, everyone wins when you have solid boundaries. And it also gives your clients permission to like do the same thing. Totally. Cause like when we talk about like hills that I would die on, like for me, having a contract is one of those hills. And there's so many people out there who are like contracts are, you know, BS don't do contracts. And I'm like, I would never hire that person. Yeah. Because if you struggle to have that boundary of like, here's what you're investing, here's what I am providing. Right. Like that, that consideration is what, what the legal term is like that just that stresses me out like right. that person would be such a nightmare when they don't get what they want yeah that feels like very unstable ground to stand on like how do you even know <laughs> how do you even know where you are right and I think likewise even just like simple things like if you don't know when you're going to get a response from your coach like for me mm-hmm. I'm I'm sometimes in there on the weekends but I'm usually in there Monday through Friday and you can expect that you're going to get a response from me usually same day but very rarely it's more than a business day but yeah. if sometimes I'm you know in there Saturday and Sunday night all the time and then you don't hear from me for a week and then I'm you know back in there on the weekends and then I'm there on the weekdays that's also I think just very unstable and it yeah. I think doesn't build trust. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. It makes it hard to feel, it makes it hard to feel even like safe or know like when you can depend on your coach because you don't know when they'll get back to you, when they're going to give you feedback, when they're going to support you. But yeah, having communication boundaries, I think is one of the most important boundaries when it comes to like the coach client relationship. Other things like I don't do customer service in my DMs or like I don't do tech support with my clients or don't ask me questions that are better suited for Google. Like, I think all of them are important, but communication, like with any relationship is such a foundational part. Yeah. And I think the takeaway is like having boundaries gets you client results. And also I think that what I tend to look for is just like patterns. So something I've noticed over the years is that there are a lot of ads questions and there are a lot of systems questions, and those aren't necessarily things I want to be doing all the time. So it's like, okay, why don't I add someone to my programs who can do that for mm-hmm. me? Right. Or like, let's say you're getting a lot. I don't do email. So because I don't do email, I don't put my feedback directly into the Google doc because then when someone closes out, I'll get 800 emails, Yeah. but I will always like record a loom or I'll send my individual notes in Boxer. But now that I have a mastermind as well, I I do that for my inner circle girls, but for my mastermind, I was like, okay, why don't I just hire a professional copywriter to do the copy reviews for me? So I think you can have boundaries and still have a really great program that gives people what they need. 
For sure. Yeah. And like I said at the beginning, like, I think you can have it all. I think your clients can have great results. They can feel super supported. And also you aren't sacrificing your entire life (laughs) for them. Yeah. So last thing I kind of want to talk about in this idea of like getting client results is more so along the lines of like client retention. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you're kind of coming up to the end with the coach, there's that conversation of like, do we want to work together? Do we not want to work together again? And by and large, there's a very like low retention rate across the industry, like coach jumping and just like burning and churning through coaches is very common. Mm -hmm. And something that I always do that's worked really well for me is as I'm coming to the end of a coaching relationship, whether that's group program or private coaching, I start talking about like what comes next and like, okay, here's everything you've accomplished, but also like, here's how much further we have to go. And I feel like that's worked really well for me. Do you do something similar? What do you do? Cause I know that you also have a really good retention rate. Yeah. I do something super similar. And just to get even more specific, I feel like if I can get on a call and like sales plan with a client, that is really, really empowering for them because they see right in front of their face, like what the return would be, what the like specific next steps would be so that it feels super concrete. It feels super tangible what we'd be working on next. And like you said, I always am sure to like reflect back here, all the things that we've done so far, because it's easy. Let's say you work with someone for six months. It's easy for them to get caught up on like what problem they that came up this week and not think about all of the major milestones they've hit in the last six months or whatever. Or let's say they had, you know, a team member issue or some something that's leaving them feeling a little shakier than normal. And they forget about all of the epic things that you've done together. And so I love to just reflect back all the accomplishments and then ideally like sales plan for the next six months or the next year. And that usually gives them a good idea of like, okay, first of all, it's safe for me to invest again because my business is just going to keep growing and also gives them an idea of like why the work isn't done and all the different ways we can go. Some clients I'll even do multiple different options, like multiple scenarios of here's all the things we could do together. But yeah, I've found that to work super well too. Yeah. I think that there's no kind of like end point in business or coaching and probably like in anything, right? Like, I don't think that there's like an end point and then it's like, okay, I'm done exercising. I'm right. done. With I've fitness. made like, it. I did it. Like, yeah. I think that you're either like growing or dying. And that's something that I've sometimes like has been a little bit of a, a mind twist because I'm like, wait, so I always have to grow. I have to keep yeah. going, but it's like, yeah, you do like, and, you, and you get ends. to, I can it never leave. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So I think it's just, it's so helpful I think also to like give that context even when I'm thinking about like an entry-level program so like let's say OCK they go into OCK and you're like the goal of this program is to get you to x is it 10k months 5k months and 5K then months yeah and then we wrap Perfect. out the program explaining once you hit 5k months here is like what you should be working on next and then yep. that segues them to the next program the next level yeah yeah Something I started doing in the last year is I tell them at the beginning of the program what the next step is. So Mm. like your goal in OCE is to get to 5K months. And what you could even do is say, you know, in Marie's program or anyone's program, but say like once you hit that goal, we can hop on a call and we can talk about your next step, which is OCE. Yeah. Right. Or like in my case, right now I'm doing that with sold out sales. Their goal is to get to 10,000 in sales. Once they have that, they get a call 
And on the call, we're like, okay, let's talk about the accelerator. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of really maps out for people, not just at the end, but I think also at the beginning, like this is step one of like four steps, but then also like it never ends. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we've had a conversation about that was like a really helpful shift was like scaling is an always thing. Like you don't scale and stop and scale and stop and scale and stop. Like it is the process. And if you can't find a way to make scaling like fun and sustainable, you're going to have a bad time. So I think a lot of people see it as like, oh, I'm going to scale my business this year. And I'm like, but what about next year? But <laughs> like, like it's an always thing, but it doesn't need to be. I think people think it has to be start and stop because they think it's like this huge push that they can't keep up with versus if you have a process and if you have a safe container and you have a strategy for how you're going to do it, it becomes sustainable. It's like, if you're a fitness coach, you know how people go on a diet and they're like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And the diet is so extreme that they can't wait to stop their diet, but then they gain all the weight back. So it's the same thing with scaling. Like it has to be the sustainable process and having the support and the guidance along the way is a huge a huge reason why it can be sustainable. Yeah. For me as a coach, when I hear people are like, oh, I'm going to go integrate. I'm like, good luck with that. Call me when your business is on fire again. Right. Yeah, Cause it's yeah. like such a thing. Like I have to go integrate what I've learned. And it's like, well, if you would have learned it, you would not need to go integrate because you would be doing it. Right. Yeah. You integrate as you learn. As but you I, go. Yeah. Yeah. I think one reason why people do that is because they're consuming too much. Yeah. And and that's why I'm a big fan of only having like one or two information sources. Like you are my coach. And sometimes I will like listen to a podcast on a specific thing or whatever, but I'm not like a diehard fan of like, well, I mean, I'm a fan of people, but I, I don't consume every single piece of content from anyone yeah. else because it would be conflicting and it would be confusing and it would be so much information that I would need to like step back in order to integrate, but like, it should be integrating at the same time as you're learning. And like you said before, there's a million ways to do things, but they take different paths, right? So if you're taking advice from five people and trying to do them all at once, like you're trying to travel on five different paths, they might all come out at the same place, but you have, like you said, the process works if you work the process. And yep. if you're committed to five different processes, it's going to be a bad time. So I think that's why a lot of people feel like they need to like learn, integrate, learn, integrate. They're learning, they're consuming unnecessarily. Like there's yeah. too much information. I think integrating is just like code for like, I need to go take some time to figure out what I believe to be true. Mm. Snaps. Yeah. So when I lived at the ashram, which I feel like, what are you talking about? Go listen to some of my earlier podcasts, but like, there's this huge sign there and it says like the paths are many, but the truth is one. Mm -hmm. So like basically just like whatever you walk, whether that's like Hinduism, Christianity, like Judaism, like you're going to end up in the same place, like this feeling of spiritual enlightenment and fulfillment, but like you have to walk a path. And I think that's why so many people do struggle with spirituality because they're just like cherry picking across the board that it yeah. just is so confusing because you hear you know, this thing over here and then that thing. And then you're like trying to reconcile, like, but how does this make sense? But it's like, but if you just picked a path, right. Cause it's not actually about the path. Like it is. And it isn't like, it's like, what's on the other side of it because so much of 
the path is just like imperfect humans. Side note, sidetrack, sidebar, done. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's so true with business as well. Like I've got what I believe to be true and that's what I'm supporting you with. But then if you, you know, we're working with a different coach, like they might tell you something totally different and you would end up in the same place, but it works if you work it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just about making the decision to work it, I think. Yeah. The other analogy I use for that is like, a lot of people that are in just like the information gathering phase where they're just consuming all the free information they can get their hands on is like you're collecting all of these little puzzle pieces from so many different sources. They don't belong to the same puzzle. They are like not the same size, not the same shape, and you're not going to be able to find a way to fit them all together versus if you are collecting your puzzle pieces from one place, it creates a cohesive picture and you actually finish a puzzle. There you go. Yeah. Pick your path. As a coach, your job is to create the path for your clients and just hold the vision. And I think keep bringing them back to that. Yeah. Being the bumpers of the path. There you go. Yeah. Marie, thank you so much. This was so good. Thank you, Sabs. Any, any last words of wisdom for the, for the coaches out there hoping to start getting their clients epic results? I think honestly, one of the hardest parts of coaching is not caring more than your clients. (laughs) If that makes sense. I think a lot of people start coaching because they are so passionate about helping people. They are so passionate about getting the results. And that's great. And it's great to care so much, but you also have to have a level of detachment where again, you you just keep guiding people back to the path and you are not taking responsibility for the results. And it's it's so hard, especially starting out to not take things personal and not feel like you've failed every time a client falls off the path. So I would say just always keep returning back to, again, what you believe to be true, what you know is possible for people and empowering them to keep doing the work, but also understanding that you can't do it for them. Yeah. I talk about it as like holding on loosely, but I think also Mm -hmm. it just comes back to like, what do you believe to be true? So I believe that, you know, it's all working out perfectly for you and everything, you know, happens in divine timing and for a reason. So like, you're fine, you're good, you're safe. Like it's all going to be fine. So if a client does have like a bad launch or they don't sign a client that they wanted to, or, you know, their OBM quits or something like that. I think it's also just about reminding them like, this, I don't, I think it was once in church, we said it, but like failure is not fatal mm-hmm. or right? final. Like it, or final, right? Like it's not the end. Like we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing this. Like it's fine. So just because the client didn't get the win or the result doesn't mean it's not working or that they're not getting exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another phrase that you've said to me that's stuck with me forever is zooming out like always just zooming out because if you are so zoomed in in your day-to-day and all of these little fires, you lose sight of like the big picture and what's really important what's really happening. So as a coach, you have to be able to zoom out too and be able to see big picture is my client moving closer to from point A to point B. And if they are like, you're doing great. And if they're not, it might be your fault, but probably not. <laughs> Definitely not. Right. Cause again, like what do you believe to be true? Personal responsibility, radical responsibility, no such thing. You can't break another person. Marie, thank you so much. Of course. Love you. Love you. Bye guys. Love you too. <laughs> Love ya.
Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me today. I hope you loved this episode. And if you did, please take a moment to share it with someone or pop the screenshot up on your Instagram story and tag me. I especially love when you guys share a little on why you enjoyed the episode so that I can keep making more content that you want to hear. Last but not least, don't forget to hit subscribe and I will see you again next week. Until then, grind and be grateful, my friend.